that hot it is. Hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome to the Artist Exchange Radio Show here live on BeExposedRadio.com. We're still quarantining, so therefore I'm still home in my bed. Today may be like an abbreviated show. I said that on Friday and, and I argued for an hour and a half. But um, tonight may be, because I, uh, it's just going to be me tonight. Um, and I wanted to kind of talk about some things that have happened to me in the last week or so, and just some things that I've been observing throughout this quarantine. And I just wanted a moment where it was just me. I'm not as comfortable with being on this platform by myself. Um, and I've kind of made my show more about, um, more about the guest interaction and the conversation that I have with my guest. And um, I, I think I, I finally have had a show and I've had other shows, but I think I was always on somebody else's platform when I've had moments where I've exploded, but I've had moments like this, but they, it wasn't, I didn't feel like this afterwards. Um, and I'll, I'm gonna try to get that part of this out of the way first, so I can get to some other information. Well, I had an interview on Friday with a young lady, Miss um, Life Stevenson, and our conversation got very heated because there wasn't a clear intention um, that was shared. I had an intention and she had an intention. Um, I was very clear about what my intentions were. Um, and she gave me information in terms of what she wanted to talk about and what I perceived as her intentions, and it turned into something totally different. Well, it wasn't as different. It was more so along the lines of why we met in the first place. Uh, on, I want to say that was Wednesday or Thursday of last week, I made a comment on... Um, Miss V's, Miss Renea, uh, her post, and that comment sparked uh, a whole thread of comments. I think by the time I got off, it was like 175 comments. Um, and I found myself by myself in the argument. And I didn't have a problem with that because I came in that on that thread by myself. Um, what I did not realize was, one, there were people that I knew that were on that thread that kind of jumped to my offense. And on the other side, the person who had wrote the comment uh, and the young lady that I had on Friday, they uh, were on the opposite side. So I found myself uh, in a, initially arguing with these two women and then a few people who I knew had started to chime in. and then. By the time I had left the argument, a couple more people I knew had started commenting and uh, it had turned into them defending my character. Uh, I've had a, not an idea, but I've wanted to have this conversation on my platform for a while now, um, but I 
wanted to, to wanted it to be in a different format where it's more of a panel conversation where there's multiple people. Um, and that conversation I wanted to have was more so between black men and black women. Uh, black men from different parts of black menness and black women from different parts of black womanness. Uh, and I say it that way because uh, I have a perspective on a specific argument that I've brought up in several different situations that have led me to be uncomfortable um, debating with black women uh, and some black men, but more so black women. And I, <clears throat> sorry, I just ate it. Uh, but the conversation has been um, connected to how I personally feel about how Black women talk to Black men. Now, I grew up in not necessarily a home, but in a family where I watched um, my aunt get beat before um, I came in before and watched my grandmother be beat. Um, and I've seen black men talk to black women. Uh, hey, noble L, uh, stranger. Uh, and I've watched, please share this out if you're watching. I uh, appreciate it. But I've watched black men be very vile and very disrespectful, both physically and mentally and verbally towards uh, black women um, and people in general. I've watched women be very vindictive and very um, broken and uh, reactive to the hurt that they've been given over the years. I personally stepped in between uh, altercation between my aunt and her then boyfriend, a uh, physical fight. Um, and I've, I've had arguments with black women before, uh, personally, and they, and sometimes they don't always come from a great place for me. Um, and I find myself closing my mouth when those moments are happening and just getting out of Dodge. And, and in those moments, I really have been uncomfortable. If you're just joining the conversation today, it's just going to be some hot topics that's on my personal mind. And we'll get a, into a little bit of the, uh, some hot topics that's on, on, you know, in the news lately, but I'm bringing up a conversation based on my show on Friday. If you not have not already watched it, you can go to BigSposedRadio.com. You can go to the Big Exposed Facebook page, the Big Exposed YouTube page, or the Artist Exchanges uh, radio show page. And this argument that I had with this woman brought up so much of those things that I have been hiding and denying and just living through, so much so I... Real, I didn't realize that we were arguing for an hour and a half until I saw my five-minute warning notice of time is almost up. And I, and me watching it, I couldn't even watch the whole show back. That I was so angry because I allowed somebody to get me to a point of being outside of my character. Now, I'm a passionate person. I'm always willing to stand for what I believe in, and I never back down. Uh, even if it takes arguing, I'm not a physical person, um, and I've have rarely in my life gotten to a physical state. But that argument with that young lady took me to a place where I was not comfortable, where I was outside of my character. And I'm not necessarily blaming her, but we have this thing 
that I've noticed uh, in our community where our brokenness turns into our badge of honor or uh, a coat or cloak or uh, as something as simple as a hat. That's how our brokenness is, has become something that we wear. I've had several shows with various artists and I asked them a similar question. Can we be artists without the struggle, without the hurt, without the turmoil? And I opened it up beyond artists and asked us in general, can we be strong without our hurt? Can we be resilient without our past being dragged along with us? Can we be victorious without you know, always waving the banner of yesterday uh, on our flag? Can we be, uh, ultimately, can we be ourselves without our pain? Because many of us walk around with, with that hurt, with that trauma, with those triggers, and we expect other people to deal with them in a way that is, is selfish on our behalf. Uh, it's not fair that other people have to tiptoe around us because ultimately we're gonna run into somebody who doesn't feel like they have to tiptoe. And I, I don't wanna say I've become that person, but in many ways, in many arguments, I have been that person because it is very difficult for me to uh, kind of close off my opinions and close off my point of view because it offends your triggers, not necessarily you, but your triggers. Um, and I, I see a lot of people who knowingly have these triggers and can talk about them and talk themselves out of dealing with them every time they're confronted with it, with, in an argument or in a situation. And I've noticed how we have gotten so accustomed with this dealing with hurt and dealing with pain and, 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 and taking, always taking it from one relationship to another relationship, often to work and, and work environments and, and our uh, artistry environments. We take those things with us and it becomes an ugly thing when we can't even um, deal with life or conversations that happen in reality uh, because of our triggers. And then we expect other people to kind of be flexible and understanding to us when we aren't that understanding to ourselves. Um, Where's all this coming from within me? It, it wasn't just Friday's conversation or that argument that I had last week or that person's post, but it, this has been coming for a long time now. And I really have um, gotten to a place where I'm very uncomfortable with having conversations with black women. And often, conversations that I need to have. Uh, there are a number of Black women that are um, kin to me, that are family, that are friends, that um, associates of mine, work environments that I have yet to be able, be able to have a conversation. And not because I don't know what to say or I don't know how to say it, but I know what I have to say would be a trigger to them in some way. And it's in the, the reason I kind of got upset from the argument from the post is because the woman who posted the thread um, accused me of being an attacker. She accused me of attacking her 
um, and being disrespectful to her because we had a difference of opinion and I wasn't willing to back down from my perspective. And I've seen that argument happen several times when, when a black woman feels like her point of view isn't being heard or she feels like that black man isn't agreeing with her, the first thing that comes up is they feel attacked. And I'm supposed to acknowledge a fear that I don't know exists. Um, and I always assume that there's some level of fear there, but you shouldn't fear me. I'm, I don't have my hands around your throat. I'm not yelling at you. I'm not hitting you. I'm not disrespecting you. And I have to understand at the same time that physical abuse is not the only type of abuse that happens. But if my intention has never been to harm or hurt anybody, but just simply get my point across, it just totally went left field for me uh, last week. And it has happened like that several times. And it, it forces me to not want to communicate. And it's not effective in my life because often I've kept those individuals around me without having the ability to say what it is that I felt like I needed to say. Um, and I could say it, but I was trying to be respectful. I was trying to not be um, an extra burden in that person's life, despite many times that person being the burden for themselves and me speaking truth to that. Um, so once I brung the young lady on, and again, if you have not watched it, please go to the Artist Exchange Radio Show page or Big Exposed Radio page, and you can watch the conversation um, from last Friday. Um, and it got to a point where I was yelling and I was screaming and I wasn't even on topic because I was too busy. I was yelling at her to understand what I was trying to say. And that's often in arguments, people yell and scream because they don't feel heard. So I've acknowledged that. So there, there were plenty of moments in that conversation where I found myself down and I found myself read back up again because I don't know how to navigate that type of conversation right now. And it's something that throughout this uh, quarantine that I've been trying to work on, but that that moment happened and I found myself in attack mode again or defensive or being in a defensive state. So I really, <coughs> I really wanted to, um, I wanted to, hey, Jay Nicole, you definitely, I wish you would have, uh, I wish you were um, talking to me right now. I wish you, uh, if you, if you're able to join me for a brief moment, Jay, uh, <clears throat> send me a message and I'll send you the link uh, to the show. Um, but it's only been a few women that I've ever been able to be around that kind of understood my energy. And Joanne just uh, jumped in and I, I wish, if you can, I'm going to try to send you the um, code now. And if you're able to join me, please, just for a few moments, so I can just get some understanding. Because I don't want to keep having this conversation with myself because I'm not a Black woman. But I just want some understanding. Uh, if you can... Um, Uh, sorry, you guys. Should have asked her to come on um, to begin with. But it really took me outside of myself. And I was already 
kind of in a space, not necessarily a dark space, but this has been a lot for me. Um, uh, I One, I live by myself. I don't feel alone, but I live by myself. And I've had to go through this quarantine since March the 13th of living by myself. I haven't had any company over um, or I haven't really been out much, I think, beyond me cleaning my classroom out. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, beyond me cleaning my classroom out and I went on like a little day trip with a friend. I haven't really done much other than walk to the market and back. And I've had a lot of days where I've had to sit in the house and really deal with myself. Um, uh, and, and just really listen to myself in a different way without speaking, without um, overthinking things, but I've had a lot of thoughts go through my mind, and there's been plenty of days in these, I think it's been two, two and a half months now, of me just sitting here listening to my thoughts and mentally trying to organize them in my mind and deal with them as I, you know, as they come. Uh, but that really turned me into a different person because in the midst of this happening, and I'm not saying police brutality doesn't happen to black women, but we have an unproportionate amount, number of men, black men who this has happened to on a regular basis. Um, somebody like me who has never even had detention, I've been stopped by police officers in mistaken identity. Um, I used to live and work in the Mount Vernon area. And if anybody knows that area, it's known for male prostitutes, um, kind of an undercurrent of male prostitution. And I've been stopped in that area where I worked and I lived and I was walking home in that area and I've been stopped and accused and been really disrespected by police officers. Um, uh, and, you know, so I've, I've, I see it happening. I've never been physically abused before, but verbally, yes but I've watched police officers in the hood or in my day-to-day -day life be very disrespectful to black men. And there's always this war between black men and black women on who has had it the hardest. And there's always this blame of one side blaming the other side for not protecting them when they needed to be protected. And a lot of that stuff, if not most of it, if not all of it, has stemmed from some generational issues that stem from slavery and up into the present day with police brutality and, and and both black men and black women not feeling protected by the other race, by the other sex, I'm sorry. Um, and a lot of us black men feeling like we have been thrown out to the wolves and we haven't had much nurturing and then black women feeling the same way. And a bunch of our arguments are the same. And, and a bunch of things that we've been, uh, we've had trauma in have been the same. You know, I think our black culture have realized there have been more black men that have been molested than we ever thought of because most black men didn't speak about it because it was normally at the hands of another man, which is very embarrassing, or at the hands of a woman, which is uh, less embarrassing, but part of, I had a show about this and it was part of our birthright. So we've experienced things in ways that are very similar, even though I'm a man and they're a woman or whatever you want to call it. Um, 
and many of us share many life experiences, even though the actual experience may be a little bit different or from a different perspective, or, you know, a man may have molested me, but a man may have molested you or a lady or whomever. Uh, and I, I find myself in this space with my black female friends and we're having these arguments and I've lost a lot of women friends over the same thing. I didn't, I felt like they didn't know how to talk to me and they felt like I should be the man in their life. I've had friends who, who are single moms who then put that responsibility of being the, the, you know, the, the stepdad or, you know, uncle Nate. And, and often I don't know how to raise a child. I don't have any children. So I often shy away from things and, that sparks an argument because I'm not there for them. I'm not supporting them. And I can see that they are strong, uh, a single mom struggling. And I don't know how to help them because in many cases, most black women wear this armor that's not real. It's, it's the same fake armor that black men wear. Black women often uh, adorn themselves with that as well. And, and we're walking around as if we're this, uh, we have no feelings or we have no emotions and we're these superhero uh, type uh, people uh, that are bigger than life that can, you know, uh, handle anything and we can, we muster up the energy every day to deal with life. And all that is false, is a false narrative that we told to ourselves, that we've written about ourselves, that we constantly play up to. And then we come to these moments where we're hitting our heads up against each other and it's it's ugly, and I from that from that conversation, I really wanted more to come from it. And even after uh, the show was over, uh, maybe um, maybe like around ten o'clock that night, I got another phone call from that young lady, and we spent a, a long time on the phone having a conversation about the interview, and and where both of us felt like we could have done better or said something differently. And at the end of the day, I still didn't feel heard, you know. And I don't know how to say this to black women without looking like that type of dude. But I think we need to learn how to communicate with each other better. We need to learn how to speak our truth, our truth, our real truth, not what we want the world to see, not what, not how we want it to be heard, but our actual factual truths to each other. And we need to learn how to speak those truths, honesty to each other, black men to black women, black women to black men, and in a space and, and create spaces where we're comfortable doing so. I, I had a um, I had an argument on Talk Lately Show about similar issues about us having to get ourselves together first before <laughs> we begin to look outside of ourselves. That was a really creepy laugh. <laughs> But looking outside of ourselves, before we do that, we got to get ourselves together. And Friday's conversation was a prime example of that. We have to stop going through life with these hangups and these hurts and these pains because we can't exist in a healthy state or, uh, or be productive in life and communicate effectively if we're walking around with all these hurts. Because everything that you say to me is going to sound like something I've already heard before. Even if the words aren't different, uh, if I if I hear a certain tone in your voice, 
I'll go back to a moment where somebody was verbally or physically abusive to me and I begin to read into everything that you say and I hear that person beating me again or abusing me again or raping me again or uh, sexually molesting me again. You know, and uh, that's one of the reasons I have, I, I, I tried therapy when I turned 30 in my experience, that one experience turned me off from it. And since that moment, I've been on a course of self-healing and self-redevelopment and getting back to uh, a, a purpose in me. And recently, I've been introduced to the thought of being reattached to my soul and the idea of um, what happens when trauma happens. Uh, often, some people have said that um, when trauma happens, whatever age you were when that big trauma, that first trauma hit you, that's the age that you stay stuck in. And I, I kind of re-examined myself over the last few months, and I thought that process. I'm in the process of writing a book, um, not necessarily about my life, but a lot of life stuff is in a book. Um, and I was really fearful about the forward motion of writing the book because it was conversations that I would have had to have with my mother and certain other relationships in my, my life. And I was somewhat afraid to open those doors because I did not know um, how that person would take my pain. And I am blessed to have some really powerful people, powerful black women in my corner um, that have encouraged me to tell my story, that have encouraged me to um, not be afraid to be creative in telling that story. Um, I'm working with an editor right now, um, and I've, I'm really behind uh, in what my homework was and um, things that I'm having to kind of get through and bear in front uh, to and writing a story. Writing a book is, especially when you're writing it about personal experiences, it's very difficult. And most people, and we wonder why um, Whitney Houston has all of these biographies after she died. And we wonder why Michael Jackson and probably Prince soon enough will have all these documentaries and short films and movies and interviews about them after they have already passed away. Because often that co confrontation with that other person can be very uncomfortable, especially when you want to share things that have hurt you. And I, I had to look specifically at the Whitney Houston story because everybody had a point of view over her life. And I know I'm a little over the place, but it all makes sense. It all makes sense soon. But I looked at all the many stories that she had about her life, and it really, I, I could see who was the single person that was telling that story. And how they decided to tell the truth was based on how their relationship with her was, was broken. And they, nobody could ever go to her and say these things because she was this larger than life. They saw her to, like this larger than life person. And I, I felt like that in many cases. I've always said, you know, I, I, it's awkward to me because I didn't, I don't know um, why certain people don't feel comfortable telling me the truth. 
you know, I, I've said to myself, is it because they think they're going to hurt my feelings? Do they think that I can't take it? Um, or do they think that I won't care? Am I too intimidating? And I've often uh, shrunk myself to make other people feel comfortable with themselves, not even with me, but with themselves. And in in as time went on, it began. It, I began to shrink myself so people would feel comfortable with me. Um, I've had arguments with black women about me doing too much and being too much. And in my mind, and most times my response was, well, I feel like you're not doing enough in your life. And you want me to dim my light to make you happy. And I've done that a lot in my life. And I'm no longer willing to do that. And I, I don't want to turn today's conversation into just me, me, me. But I think I'm having a me moment. Um, and if I've always made it about other people in my life, and I've never allowed myself the space to be uh, open with my own self and with my feelings <laughs> and how I personally feel. And a lot of that has been because I didn't want to hurt other people, despite that conversation that is needed being able to heal me. So I was rather, I, I, I rather, rather than me heal, I wanted to make sure the other person didn't hurt. So I just would stay silent. And uh, as I grow older, that silence is getting less and less. And I've always been a person that stood up for myself and never let anybody, you know, intimidate me or hurt me. But it's it's been some exceptions to those rules that I can no longer allow to be exceptions to those rules. So. Um, I wrote, I had a whole bunch of stuff that I planned to say and I wanted to say and I wanted to get out and I didn't know necessarily how to say it or how to um, talk about it. But um, I think, and I've been talking with a couple of people and I'm going to reach out to Jay, uh, who I was just trying to text. I'm going to reach out to her because she would probably be a good person and I'm a uh, women who know me and I don't want to, I don't want to ever put myself in a situation like I did Friday where I was speaking with a broken person who wasn't um, prepared in that moment for truth, who wasn't prepared in that moment for um, reconciliation or um, communication. I won't, I vow to myself, as long as I've been doing that on this station, doing this, uh, on this station, I have always avoided confrontation because I wanted a clean show. I wanted a show where anybody can watch it and not feel triggered or offended. But I, I think the tough conversations have to now happen. Um, and we have to get to the root of a lot of the issues that I see within our culture. And I keep talking about us having to... Um, figure out our own selves first. Uh, I keep talking about that as if somebody else should do it, but I'm going to try my best to make my platform, um, at least for right now, about that reconciliation and, and figuring things out and, and healing us from within first. Um, and I, I no longer want to be an artist that has to pull from my own current pain to bring forth my creativity, whether that be stage or in my visual art 
or in the ideas that I have or concepts or content that I create, I no longer want to pull some current pain to do that. And uh, I pride myself on being a really peaceful person, a person that's not um, for a lot of drama or craziness. Uh, but I found myself recently getting stuck in these social media arguments um, that pit me against an opposing uh, force. And in this case, it was a Black woman or two Black women, actually. Uh, and it just, it touched me in a way that was uncomfortable. Uh, the conversations, uh, both over the phone and through text message that I had with this young lady, uh, and not so much uncomfortable because of what she is currently going through herself or what I've been through myself, but more so the inability to want to change. A lot of us, even going through all of this that we're going through, a lot of people, they find comfort in that pain. They find comfort living in a space where they are um, continuously getting high off of the trauma. Uh, and I, that terminology stuck with me. It has stuck with me so long because I heard Yonda Manzette say it. Uh, and she says, one of our problems when we're in this cycle of self-abuse uh, and trauma and being triggered is that we just keep going around in a circle where we keep wanting to heal, we keep regurgitating all the pain, and then we 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 eat it, we keep eating it. And it's that idea of just constantly shooting up off of the pain or shooting up with the pain. And and, and we stay in that cycle. And one day we we make the decision that we no longer it, it can no longer hurt us or we no longer want it to hurt us. And and that's the day that we decide that we want to be healed. And my, my advice to that young lady is and was in that moment when we talked uh, those couple of times was um, we have to make conscious decisions every day that I'm going to be happy, that I'm not going to allow certain people or certain things or certain distractions to uh, hurt me, to pull me back, to push me down, to defeat me. And sometimes we have to make that decision from a second to second, from minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. And depending on how well you've gotten good at making the decision will be the distance and time that you have to make that decision again. You know, and, and I'm at a space right now where moments like this come up, I've had, I've haven't, haven't had to deal with my joy a lot throughout this pandemic because I was, I was good. I was in my motion. I was in my mind. I was being creative and, and, uh, able to still keep workflow going. And I was relatively comfortable through this. I haven't had any worries like how I'm going to eat or how I'm going to, bills or I'm going to keep this on or I haven't had those worries through this and I've been blessed because of that but there are some people who haven't had that you know but in this moment me coming into a contact with a person that has not been happy for a long time I had to make decisions over the weekend uh, one that I was going to be happy despite what happened uh, and how I felt about it 
And, and that's how I've been able to maintain my joy and my peace of mind and my happiness uh, throughout life for the last, I'll say in my 30s, that's been a conscious decision of mine to be happy. And, and there have been physical times where I've had to say out loud, I am going to be happy despite whatever storm I'm in right now. Uh, and I, I want this to not be a thing, but as I uh, think about um, <clears throat> oh. oh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to that's someone. I want to make a, a more concerted effort to um, creating this and within this space an opportunity for us to grow and an opportunity for us to maintain our mental health as artists, as entrepreneurs, as community leaders. I want uh, uh, us to grow in a way that we have not before. And I want us and me, I'm speaking over myself right now. Um, to maintain that in a way that we have not maintained it before. I don't want certain things or stuff or people to make me happy anymore. I just want to be happy naturally. And I have been for a very long time, but I have to admit that it has been a mental and a purposeful decision that I've made over the last seven years that I will choose to be happy. Now, because that does not mean that I'm not going to tell somebody how I feel um, in a very passionate way, it's not. It doesn't mean that I'm not gonna go off if I if I feel like I have to. But I'm always at the end of every day, I'm gonna be able to go to sleep in my bed and be comfortable with the decisions that I've chosen to make. Um, and I am okay with that. Uh, so I, I really had to get that out because this weekend I didn't necessarily drive myself crazy thinking about it, but I've really thought about it from every perspective. Was I wrong? Did I do something wrong? Should I not have her on the show? Should I have welcomed our therapist friend on the show with us? Should I have um, consulted one of my therapy friends before talking to her? Or um, should I have went with my gut instinct, which I ultimately decided on, uh, go with my gut. And if I, I don't want to rush any more conversations because they're in the moment, I don't want to, I don't ever want to rush an interview because it's fresh in my mind or fresh in the air, but I'm going to give people that time and spend, do what I used to do. I used to have a conversation before I brought people on the show. And now, you know, I've, you know, either I seek them out or they seek me out and I set a date and we come to a conclusion on what the topic is and we show up the day of, you know, but I'm, I'm going to go back to what I did best, and I did my pre-interviews and had conversations with people just to see where people's minds are. But some people aren't used to the platform. This was her first real radio interview, and it was really um, unfortunate that that was her first experience. But that's, as I said to her, we make decisions in our lives, and we have to be able to stand up and stand in it. And to that other young lady, Miss V, who kind of sparked all of this, um, it's shame on you. 
Shame on you for continuously seeking to get likes and attention and a buzz around your name. But I, what can I expect in this new generation of millennials who, who will sell their mama's story to get ahead in life? You know, and it, it's unfortunate, but uh, it was a reason, as I said live and I said in a personal conversation, it was a reason I didn't reach out to her. Um, I didn't want that type of toxic uh, behavior around me. I didn't want somebody that was looking for a moment, as many people are in this atmosphere that we're in right now. Everybody wants a moment, um, and I don't—I'm not that person, and I won't cultivate those types of moments around me and on a platform that I've worked hard to develop and to, you know, just work hard for in general. Um, so. I'm not saying this is the last of this conversation, uh, but I am really working with a couple of people right now to kind of solidify a team that I can call on when these um, uh, uh, it's a team of people that I can call on to um, deal with these types of issues. Um, I want to be able to pull on somebody if I have somebody that's going through some trauma or if I'm in conflict to be able to mediate or be able to give some therapeutic uh, comfort to people who are in need of it. I think a lot of people right now should take advantage of a lot of the free and available uh, mental health providers that are available. And I always have to, and I'm it's out of my mind right now, but the Suicide helpline is not just about suicide, but it's about people who are in crisis in the home. If you wake up at 2.30 in, in the morning with a cold sweat and you got thoughts of suicide or hurting yourself or a, a heavy sadness on you, that line is, has been very productive. I've worked for that line before. And most of the calls that come in have nothing to do with suicide. It's just people that's having uh, a moment and they are... They want help in getting getting them through that. But I want people to be able to reach out to their doctors. Uh, most times doctors have a great um, um, providers that they will recommend for you. Um, there are a number of providers, um, especially here in Baltimore, that are doing some wraparound services with people virtually now. There are a lot of people who are doing telehealth uh, uh, programs with mental health right now. Um, and I really uh, suggest that you look into it before um, you get into another argument or another confrontation with somebody. Um, and it's definitely something that I'm looking at, but I just need, for me, before I do that again, I want to make sure the people that I'm reaching out to have my face in mind um, and, not, and not just trying to shrink me or um, tell me what to do. And, and you have every right. You don't have to just pick the first therapist that come your way. You definitely have every right to be able to pick and choose who you want and, and what best fits you. Because uh, every therapist is a little bit different. They all know the same information, but every therapist uh, gives therapy different. So <clears throat> with that being said, I am, I've been in my mind trying to figure out what today's show was, the guests that I had for the day. I canceled them because I didn't want that to be, um, I didn't want that to be on my mind while talking to somebody else because I 
I'm good for not being in the moment. <laughs> uh, and when I have something else on my mind and I'm, I'm tired of working through things um, and I want to give more emphasis and, and uh, perspective and highlight when I'm going through life things. Um, right now, I'm fine. I'm great. I've been great this weekend. But that moment paused me because I'm tired of having that conversation with Black women who are offended by a Black man who they don't want to sleep with, who they don't feel a sexual connection to. Um, I'm tired of those conversations ending in uh, ugliness because neither one of us are taking a moment to listen to the other person. Or I'm tired of being accused of being an angry big black man when all I had was a perspective that was different from that person. So with all that being said, uh, if if you're listening and you have... Um, uh, if you want to join in the conversation, if you want to join in the panel discussion, I'm talking to a couple of young ladies um, and I'm looking for some young men to be able to join us as well and, and just have a perspective and just figure some things out. I don't want to just keep talking about the issues. I want to find some um, valid and uh, solid solutions to how we communicate and how we effectively communicate and how we are, can share our opinions. and and agree to disagree. You know, I, I don't want to be disagreeable. I don't want to be difficult, but I want to be able to add to the solution and not kind of rev up and set on fire the issue. But with that being said, uh, if you're just joining the conversation, thank you for joining me. Uh, I am your host, Nate Kowser. This is the Artist Exchange Radio Show where we talk about everything under the sun from my creative perspective, from your creative perspective, uh, we mainly talk to artists, community leaders, and entrepreneurs from Baltimore and way beyond. We've had interviews from Kuwait to downtown Baltimore, so every, and everything in between. And I want to continue this even throughout all this. This is this has made it easier for me to have these one-on-one conversations with people. And I've been booking some really interesting guests for some upcoming shows and people who I'm meeting on different platforms and people who have a unique perspective in life that um, I think is worthy of communicating to you all. So continue, I appreciate all the continued support and please uh, continue to share out these lives. We are, I am working hard, Moni is working hard to continue all that we do. If you're looking for a show, uh, a platform to bring your show to, if you have an idea for a show, if you've always wanted to do a show, Big Exposed Radio is definitely the place for that. Uh, I think somebody may be joining us. Uh, um, but I have a few topics that I wanted to bring up beyond that. Um, and one is this type of, you know what, I'm going I'm to I'm leave the race, the... Uh, the primary election. I'm gonna leave that to the end. I've just got about uh, about a half an hour left. Hello, hello, hello. I think someone's joining us. What's good? How's it going, sir? I am well. I am well. I'm well. I'm well. Uh, so you want to introduce yourself? Well. Uh, to some, 
I own as Heavenly Carnage. Okay. I'm a poet, conspiracy theorist, and a life scholar. So uh, I had I've asked uh, this gentleman to come on, and uh, he had a post last night where he was kind of uh, kind of pouring out, uh, and that's that's how I can explain. It. I don't want to give much to it unless you you want to talk more about it. But I, I saw you pouring out, and uh, I've had those moments throughout all of this. Um, and you actually live in the Philadelphia area. Um, and how has this moment, outside of your personal uh, situation, how has this moment been for you? Hello? Hello? Well, are, you, are you there? I you, yes, I'm here. Well, I say, based on the Columbia of this world, I was coming along. We had to step up to another level. And then, they happened for a reason, but also, things happened because there was that B once belittles even more to take us out the equipment. Mm-hmm. And it's sad that when we come as a community, they want to hurt us. But if we're killing each other, they like to decide and let's do what we got to do. Right. I understand that there's, I understand that there's sad going on about Hey, 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 before you go any further, can you log out and then log back in? I think the connection is kind of wavy. Can you just log back out and then log back in the same way? I think that might help improve your signal because you're going in and out. All right, nope. All right. So while we're waiting for him to come back on, um, I wanted, there were a few, um, uh, there's a question that I have on my mind, and it's um, what what do black people want? In a lot of these conversations, we hear a lot of people kind of screaming out right now about the stuff that they want. They don't want to be treated like animals anymore. We're tired of being treated like second-rate citizens, or or not, you know, not important. Oh, no, sorry. Woo. We don't feel like our our needs are being met. We don't feel like as black people we matter. Um, hence the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and I just heard somebody say today we're more than just black people that matter. We are so much bigger than that. Um, and I hear a lot of people now arguing for rep- reparations. I hear a lot of people arguing for uh, supremacy. We want to be ultimately in charge of the decisions because the people, the powers that be have not done a great job over the last 400, 500 years. Um, And it's time for a change. Um, And many cities across the United States have shown uh, with black leadership, we can achieve more and our issues can be addressed. But ultimately I just wanna know what do we want? 
what what is it that we want? Because it, for me, I hear the arguments. I see individuals making a small efforts right now, but it doesn't seem like it's enough. Um, it, it doesn't seem like it's it's really enough for us to be able to uh, have equality because we want ultimate power. It's not enough for our democratic leadership on a federal level to do a, a moment of silence because then they are criticized for wearing Kente cloth sets or they look ridiculous. But what is it that we want? It's not enough that this gentleman's, um, and I'm not justifying it because I think he needs to lose business. So he feels it and he needs to work hard uh, and do better to be able to get it better. But this gentleman, uh, Vince's crab house, who basically he about to lose his business uh, because they are on literally, sorry for lack of better words, they're on his neck. Every day they're protesting in front of his business and he's had to shut down one of his locations and he's probably going to shut down the other location as well. But um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But uh, how you doing, sir? You back now? Can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you. All right. Making sure that you can hear me clearly. Um, at the moment, I'm not fully, um, I am not preoccupied. I'm not going to make not too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this, <laughs> well, I was, I was going to that there are things there are people out that don't want us to see and sadly there are even our own people that want to hurt us because of jealousy those that are achieve greater things instead of congratulating they want to put negative put negativity on us uh-huh right now we're in a shitstorm of chaos because these these rallies and these protests they're having that are being calmed down. There are people out there that are setting up things to demean us because they know there are weak-minded black men and women that are single-minded to the point that they want monitor needs instead of actually going to help the women and the system. And that's the problem. Mm. There were, we had, we had own companies are out here to help the community, but we don't want to deal with them because based on family or based on friends, based on just random situations, they think we believe that they're better than us. But in the in the long run, they're the just going to help us. But with the the coin, with a flip of a coin, there are some people in our community that got that money to help us better. They want to be that one percent. 
and the one that helps do better. It's basically a 50 50 split. It's not 50 50 because you have that you have that actual one percent of white people because yes they are that majority of this world majority of this world is by them and even the e and d owners provide of the we can but you have to understand that there are those that are that help they trying to get quick cash and you have ones that are just too lead to actually fulfill the of the better men and women. And that's the issue. We cannot, we can only achieve if we choose to. Uh, last night I was on Facebook on my own, on my own private page, because I tend to rant and rave. Because again, I am a conspiracy person as well. I I see what's going on in life based on what I've seen through my age, or through my through my own eyes. But there are some that just don't want to fulfill those dreams, and that is the issue. When we all come together in one accord and say this is enough and start helping each other out we have to be strong enough to not let the man our own brother man any other nationality try to prevent us doing so if we work together as one we do great things but there is one slight problem. Some of us don't know what to do, and we are scared to ask. And if we don't ask, we will, we don't ask what to do. If you don't learn things, understand life. If you don't see what's going on in life and where kind of so for that next Cool. Well, I, I just sent you a, I just sent you a message. Uh, real quick, I just sent you a message. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you soon as this is over, cause your phone's going in and out, and I'm gonna set up a moment uh, this week where we can uh, have this conversation uh, live again, so I can help you. Understandable. Uh, you Understandable. On. No problem. So I'm, uh, um, I'm gonna call no you. So just stay, stay near your phone. So yeah. as we, as a lot of what uh, uh, Heavenly was talking about um, is just that support that we all need. What I took from it was just that support that we all need from each other and how we need to really um, 
how can we say, uh, how can I say, um, before we move any further, we need to really set a table uh, and set the table for ourselves and, and get a lot of these things, these problems, these hurts, these hurdles, these hesitate, all this trauma, all these tricks. We got to get a lot of this stuff off the table because we're not going to be able to effectively tell these people what I want. And, and the question that I asked before this gentleman came on uh, was, um, what what is it that Black people really want? Do we want help, uh, uh, wealth? Do we want uh, independence? Do we want uh, a sense of freedom? Do we want to belong? Do we want to feel like we belong in this country? Do we want um, reparations? Like, what is it that we want? Uh, and I think a lot of those things need to be first spoken about within our own community so we can effectively go to the leadership that is this country, uh, that's in this country, and be able to act and demand the things that we really want. And we can't keep going through this, this shuffle of protesting. And, and now we're, we've hit a heightened sense of protest because now I think everybody's on the same accord but I don't, I don't think people are, everybody is really fighting for the same things. Um, and, and, and it took this level of destruction for people to begin to hear us and understand us. And, and ultimately, if we don't really have an agenda, a collective agenda, and not just the things that the people who have a platform uh, say we want, because that's what they really want, uh, but we have collectively gotten together and created that list of demands that we want. <clears throat> we can't keep allowing our government officials to say, hey, we don't have the money right now. So we're not funding your school system anymore. While school systems in certain areas continuously get funded. You know, and, and we have to begin to demand not only that we're treated better, but that we're giving a fair uh, a fair um, leg in this game. And I really, I really want to see us get our needs met. You know, as somebody who really, I'm heavy in the arts, heavy in the educational field, I want those two areas to be effective. But I, I know there are other people over here that are in the finance arena and the uh, uh, money arena and the businesses and all the different areas of need and resources that are lacking in resources. Everybody, I want everybody to get what they want. And I think it's, we can do it if we collectively get together and really decide what we want. I don't want the Black Caucus to speak for me. I don't want the NAACP to speak for me. I don't want the various uh, career, uh, recently careered um, uh, activists to speak for me, I need us to speak for each other and elect the officials that speak for us. So we don't have a need for all of these new uh, protesters uh, and community leaders that are some of them that are becoming corrupt because of this system. This It has turned into a means for them to get, to find financial freedom. And they're flying all over the country and, and speaking at these events, but is your speaking in vain? Is your 
uh, activism in vain if nothing's being accomplished. And we're here, we are uh, with three and four different people who have been killed in the last like six months at the hands of police officers. Uh, we're at another, we, we wasn't even really into the Ahmad protest before now George's um, protest begun. So I don't want to keep being at this moment. I don't want to keep being in this space where we're constantly fighting and pushing and burning down our communities to get the attention of the powers that be. Because ultimately, all they have to do is push a button and send in the armory and everything gets flattened out. And nobody gets what they want. And, and, and the people who will suffer the most is still us. So I, I, I think part of what I'm feeling right now is I need for us to be at a space where we can talk to each other because it will help us to be able to speak to other people. And many of us are on various levels of our comfort zone with the others, with the other races, with the other people in this world outside of us being Black. Most of us are not comfortable with that. And then you got people on the other side of the spectrum that are really comfortable. Uh, and we got to all be on that page where we can sit down and have a civil conversation that does, does not start with the hurt that we have received in this country since being brought to this country uh, outside of our own uh, wants and desires. Um, and I, I don't know, today was just, it was a lot of thoughts going through my mind as I was kind of uh, writing out what I wanted to um, say today and it was a lot of thoughts a lot of questions a lot of uh information that was coming to me and i wrote down a lot of stuff over the weekend um but things keep happening and 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 the more we fight the more that side is going to get angry the more they get angry the the bigger our fight is going to be and nothing's getting resolved at the end of the day um here we are um, on the brink of a new um, election season, and we're, we just finished voting in our preliminary races here in Baltimore and Maryland and, and places like this. Um, and we are, we're trying to determine who our mayor is going to be and who our city council person is going to be. Uh, and the race is really tight here in Baltimore, where we have Sheila Dixon and Brandon kind of going neck to neck. Um, and I, I wanted, I don't want to just jump to that, but I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put, uh, everything that I was just speaking about on the back burner and I'm going to have a, a more well-rounded panel kind of put together for Friday. And I, I had already talked to some people, but I, I don't want to keep on harping on these issues by myself because again, you, you're not getting a full conversation like I'm shrinking um, and I want us to really have an honest conversation and I want to bring in people from various perspectives to be able to lend uh, a voice to uh, some of the topics that I'm bringing up in terms of mental health, how our interpersonal skills are within our black culture, our male versus female conversation, um, uh, that idea of what we want uh, and, and what does that mean for us? Um, and being able to clearly define that, not only to the powers that be, but 
to ourselves so we know what we're fighting for and we're not fighting for so we can get crab legs or crabs or like I, I just want us to be more clear in our messaging and what I'm hearing from various perspectives and I I spent Friday night to Monday morning to this morning uh, really looking at all different types of programming, TV shows, podcasts, the news, and really trying to get an understanding as to what we want. And everybody was talking in the same direction or around the same direction, but everybody was saying something a little bit different about what they perceive the Black race to want. And I just want to get a better understanding of, of what we want. Like, what do we really want? I, I know some of the things that I want. You know, I want to be more financially free. Uh, I want I want to be able to be as creative as I want to be and not be compared to my white counterpart. I don't want to have to cross over to white art in order to be taken seriously. I want my work to be able to speak for itself and be validated from within itself and not by this panel of people who don't understand where I come from or how I speak or who I represent. Um, so I, I'm getting clear as to what I want. Um, but I think as a race on, and that's just a small perspective that's on a, a local, local level, a sub-local level. And I, I want us to be able to speak on a bigger platform about the things that we want on and now every day uh, all the way up to, you know, how this country is being run. I want us to have clearly defined perspectives. Um, so I'm going to sidebar that conversation um, generally, and I'm going to take the question, what what do Black people want? And I'm going to bring that over to our politics uh, space. Um, and I'm, I am, I don't understand our outrage in moments because a few days ago, we were ready to cut off the head of everybody that works at the election board, um, the, the gentleman that's in charge of the election board, anybody that was, you know, working with them. Uh, people have begun to jokingly accuse Sheila Dixon of stealing votes. Um, and when the tides turned and when Brandon got his 300 plus votes over Sheila, all those voices were kind of silent uh, and nobody cared about how the election was going. They just wanted it to hurry up and be over so their their candidate could win. Um, and I was just confused as to what people really wanted in that. You know, did they understand that mailing in our ballots was going to mean that the ballots had to actually be mailed? It wasn't like the people took the took the Every time you brung in a letter, somebody walked it over to the election board to give it to them, but it had to still go through the mail system. So uh, them saying that this may not be over until the 12th uh, is really frustrating some people because they want it to be over. But had everybody got up and, and voted and went to the election places, which would have been out of control because some of those lines were really long and they looked longer than what they were because we had to practice social distancing, but um, I don't I don't know what people want. I'm not in agreement that Brandon uh, should be our next mayor. I don't feel like he's lived enough in politics to understand what his role is. I think he was 
just starting to learn, if not get, just getting the lessons and the role of being a city council president. And I don't think that qualifies him to become mayor. Um, I wanted people to take their feelings and their likes out of it. And that's a big part of it, because if you like somebody, then you normally agree with how they are running or leading uh, the city in terms of being mayor. Uh, but I've really, I wanted people to take their life out of it this time, because this is a special situation. We don't just have high crime. Uh, we don't just have um, a, a bunch of children dropping out of high school. We don't just have uh, 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 rampant violence. We are in the midst of a pandemic and all those things are still existing in the middle of a pandemic mixed in with police brutality and um, uh, police reform and uh, getting Trump out of office. All of these things are in the midst of this, this mess of a country that we're in right now. And for a city like Baltimore, I don't want a first time politician because he hasn't even been in politics that long to think he can run the city. And I'm, I'm questioning the people who have voted for him in a way, and I'm not, you know, who you vote for is who you vote for, but I'm, I'm, I am questioning why we would vote for a gentleman who has not had as much experience. And I understand they think he's gonna bring a, a certain level of freshness and, and youthful freshness to the seat of mayor in a city that we've never had before. Um, but this city is in crisis, like right now. Uh, and I think we're gonna be in crisis for the next year or so. And I don't think a first time, and I, I don't wanna keep calling him a first time politician, but he just got the seat of, uh, of um, city council president. And before that, I forgot what, I think he was a delegate before that, but he had just got that position before he was bumped up to this position uh, for him to feel comfortable running for mayor. Uh, and I, I have an issue with, um, and I, I had a same issue with uh, Mary, I forgot her last name, who's also a city council person, who a delegate who was going to run for, who also ran for mayor. And I believe she stepped down now, but I don't, I don't agree with people giving you money to run for office only for you to quit that office and run for an election. Now, what happens when, what happens if he doesn't win mayor? He also loses his seat on a city councilman because uh, Mosby has far, he is definitely going to be the next city council person. So not only do you not win the mayor or mayoral election, but you lose your seat that you were starting to make effective change in, that you was just starting to learn the ropes. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little um, anxious to learn who the winner is. And I'm praying that, and I don't want him to totally be banished from, and I'm asking to banish him from, um, our 
our political system here in Baltimore, but I just wanted him to learn it more. Had he stayed in his, his position, I think he would have won over Mosley. And I think with like maybe two more years or uh, at least to the end of his term, I would have felt more comfortable seeing him run and win and get a position, get the position honestly as city council president and make effective change in that seat. Because if, if I'm not mistaken, that seat has just as much power as the mayor has, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. And he actually has more contact with the everyday person in that seat versus him being mayor and having to deal with the, the bigger issues of the city, the, the more uh, time consuming, more uh, hidden kind of uh, layers of the city, city government. Um, but that, that was one of the issues that I want. I just, I saw an ugly change started to happen with the people who had voted for Brandon. Uh, and I quickly saw that quiet down once he took the lead. Um, and I think at this point, it's only like 380 votes or 308 votes that he's uh, ahead, um, which is more puzzling to me because that means most of the city did not get out and vote. And uh, I know that they don't have that much more um that many more ballots to uh, count. They totally, his uh, supporters have totally forgot about the whole issue with with the first uh, district um, and and that uh, trouble that they were having with counting people's votes. And I believe that they are now fixing a vote so much so now that you can go online. And I'm not for sure if this was always a tool that people who uh, mailed in their ballots could do, uh, but you can go to a website and I posted it on the Artist Exchanges page and I also posted it on the Big Schools page where you can follow the link, put in, I think your first and last name, your birth date and the last four of your social security number and you can find out if your mail-in ballot was counted, has it been counted? Well, now, well, let me take that back. Not so much that it hasn't been, hasn't been counted, hasn't been received. I don't know. It doesn't say whether or not uh, if it's if it is marked as received, that means it's been counted. Uh, it could just mean that it's it's been marked as received. I don't know if it's been yet because I mailed in my ballot also. Um, and when I went on the site uh, earlier this morning, it had been marked as received. But I don't know if that means that it's been counted. But at least you know that your ballot has been received. Um, and it should, if you mailed it in, even on the last day, they should have gotten it within two, two, two to three days uh, of this. Uh, but I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit because I'm, it's, it, I guess this is the first time our city has had to go through this. And I'm quite sure other cities are dealing with the same thing, but um, because when I looked at uh, they have a, a bunch of information on there where it shows you all the votes that have been counted uh, in terms of the people who went to the ballot box. All of them have been accounted for. And then in the first column, it says uh, all of the write-in ballots, um, all of the mailed-in ballots. All of them had a little asterisk beside it, meaning they had, had they've counted most of the votes at this point. And I believe as of probably Saturday, or Friday, they, they have 50,000 
reports ago and uh, one of the representatives from the election board said they can't, they can only do for so many a day. Uh, I guess because the system that they use to scan it will only scan a certain amount every day. So it's being projected that this is gonna go on until the 12th, which is four days from now. So I guess we'll know who our new um, leadership is in the city uh, by the 12th or 13th of this month. Um, what else, what else, what else, what else? I really wanna do some more shows on mental health. I think that is really important to how we communicate. And I don't wanna get back in that, but I think that's definitely, um, important and I'm, I'm gonna find some some more unique ways other than just bringing on the service to kind of discuss that um, I'm, I'm talking to a couple organizations that deal with mental health and um possibly bringing on a couple of clients and a couple um uh facilitators of some group meetings and then again some one-on-one -on -one therapists that uh, can kind of lend a hand to how do we transition from this moment that we're in, we're in right now? Because I think a lot of people have been struggling for the last two and a half months. There have been people who on on Facebook that have been talking about it personal, personally. Um, but I am really eager to kind of find out some information to be able to help individuals that have been suffering through this. Because even for me, I don't feel like I've been going through any mental uh, breakdowns, but it has been tough on me to do this by myself. Um, and I've, I've had a lot of friends and a lot of support. I've been, been keeping busy doing events, virtual events, and I've been able to reach out to a number of friends and continue the communication. I've learned some a lot about the internet throughout this time, um, but I know a lot of people were struggling because there were some days where this was, I was over this. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely gonna do that. I have two therapists that um, I'm talking to personally that want to come on and uh, do some shows with me, but um, it's just timing and making sure we're not having the same conversations and we're finding different ways to kind of address this and really creating solutions for individuals. Um, Friday was a lot for me, not only because of the interview, but um, I actually had to clean out my classroom on Friday and I didn't realize how much I had missed being in a classroom um, until I got into the space, and I actually started. Um, I actually started cleaning out the classroom and going through papers and um, looking at pictures, and um, I briefly got to talk to some of the teachers, but we were we had to stay separate, so. We brought in someone to help us, and we could not, teachers could not mingle in that way. We were able to speak and such, but we wasn't, um, we couldn't like take a break because we only had a, a limited amount of time, um, depending on what time we got there to finish. And it was a more work than I thought it was going to be. I didn't realize over the course of a school year how much stuff a teacher can accumulate. Um, and thankfully, shout out to my friend, Miss Elaine, for coming and helping me. But that turned a, a four or five hour job into maybe like two hours. Um, but I, I was really, um, I was to walk into that interview after that was 
was I was already exhausted. I was and I should have thought, rethought it. Um, but I really miss being in a classroom. It's not the same virtually teaching. Um, it's not the same because you don't you already have a struggle keeping your students uh, attention, uh, not to mention trying to do it like this. You know, um, and I'm already having that struggle with audience, but really trying to figure out um, how to um, communicate with students in that way. Uh, it's been really hard because a lot of students, we didn't see a lot of students because a lot of students did not have the equipment. Um, a lot of parents were not uh, available to be right there with the students because a lot of them were essential employees. Um, and they had to go out of the home to work. Um, a lot of parents had multiple children, so it was difficult for them to kind of hone in on one child. Uh, but it was really an interesting process. I'm glad for me it's over for now. Um, summer camps, um, now that we are uh, here in Baltimore thinking about a phase one of reopening, um, there are some summer camps that are planning to be um, limited in numbers, but actually have a space. Uh, and then the rest of the camps, um, as many of us teachers are being asked to join summer school, um, are trying to create content for the summer camps. Um, and that's gonna be crazy to have children um, at a computer all summer long. I don't know what that's going to be like. And it's supposed to go from the end of this month to first week of August, I believe. And that's a long camp uh, compared to what camps have been in the last couple of years. So um, I'm not anticipating it, but I'm I'm open to a different way of um, teaching because I'm myself, I'm not ready to really go back out into what this is. Um, I wanted to talk about um, lifting, what, what it will look like for us to lift the band, but we're actually running out of time right now. And um, I, I would say that I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I don't think we're ready. Um, I think a lot of people have a false uh, misconception, a false and, and a misconception on what this uh, virus is, and whether you think it's man-made or a science experiment gone wrong, like I believe, um, or you, there are still people out here that don't think that we have it. And that was really what sparked the argument on that thread last week, um, me commenting on a young lady, on the young lady's thread, that it was irresponsible of her to, with a platform that she has, um, to say something like we, we don't have um, coronavirus. The coronavirus isn't real. Somebody's lying. I mean, it's very much so real. And I think the many people who have died from it that I personally know, um, and the many people who I know who work within the healthcare field, who have either contracted it themselves or who who are watching people die lonely by themselves uh, from the disease. I think those things go without saying that it's very real, it's still real. Um, and a lot of them were equating the fact that all of these people have been riding 
for the last nine days and they don't see the spike in numbers that were projected because of the riots. But like many people have said, it takes 48 to 14 days to show any signs of it. And not everybody will necessarily get it in a way where it will make them sick. Many people will get it and cause somebody else to be sick. So many of those people may have went home and passed it on to someone else or went to a market and passed it along to someone else or in passing, passed it along to someone else or gave it to someone that was there who may get sick or may be asystematic and take it home to a mom or a relative with a weakened immune system. Um, so many people have an answer. Many people have, oh, uh, many people may have an answer, but nothing is definite at this moment. Uh, we're going to continue this conversation on this coming Friday, same time, 5 p.m. on BigSportsRadio.com. Um, next up tomorrow is Talk Lately Radio Show with Monty and his panel. Um, and what else am I doing? That's it. Um, stay tuned, stay locked in for all that Big Sports have to offer. Please like and share our post, our YouTube page. And don't forget, if you want to help sponsor or help uh, uh, support the show in any way outside of sponsorship and advertisement, you can go to our cash app at dollar sign. Exposed Radio uh, to support your favorite show. Uh, peace out, everybody. This has been an Artist Exchange Radio Show with me, your host. Thanks.